White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 684. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast, your favorite and longest titled podcast about Babylon 5. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Andy Fix. Are you out there, Andy, in, in Radio Land? I am here, Van. I am here, and I'm ready to, to talk Babylon 5. It's yes. Been a, it's, it's been a week with uh, the holidays and all that. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to everybody. So it, it's nice to, to sit down and actually chit-chat with you. Yeah, yeah, we are we are uh, recording this on December 29th. We have just both gotten through our holiday extravaganzas around our homes in our respective areas. And uh, uh, did you get any interesting uh, Babylon? I was going to ask you this anyway, but I know that you may have mentioned that you did. Did you get anything interesting Babylon Five related for Christmas? I did. My my lovely wife got me the uh, um, the uh, Psychor trilogy, the paperbacks of the Psychor trilogy by uh, our friend Gregory Keys. So. Greg Keys. I'm very excited to dive into those. I think I read one of those way back when they first came out because I was—I've been a big Gregory Keys fan since the 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 early '90s. So yeah, I'm sure I probably read one of these things, but I, I don't—I couldn't tell you a, a lick of what happened in it. So I'm I'm excited to, to read these again for the first time. <laughs> you know, you know, I don't I don't think that Greg knows this, but in a very weird way, he's partially responsible for me podcasting because really? back back in. Whatever year it was, I think it was 2010. Back in 2010, um, all, my my football team Auburn had Cam Newton, right? And yep. Greg Keyes' book was out called Newton's Cannon, and I'm like, oh, yep. Newton's Cannon, yeah, all right, that describes the Cam. <laughs> and I wrote a little funny thing about it and sent it in to the War Eagle Reader, this website that does Auburn trivia stuff, and they liked it and, and got me and my buddy John to start doing a weekly column for them. And after about a year and a half of that, which turned into a book, um, yeah. we decided we were tired of writing stuff. Let's just record our conversations. And so for the last 10 and a half years, John and I have a Monday night conversation just like we do about Babylon 5 about Auburn football and basketball. And we record it, and it goes out, and it's pretty popular. But it all goes back to J. Gregory Keyes and Newton's Cannon. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's all, you know, it was because of Newton's Canaan, the, the whole Age of Unreason series of his, yeah. that I am a writer today. Oh, wow. That's because so I read I read that book, that, that whole series of books, and I was just floored at how good they were. And I'm like, man, I want to I learn how to write like that. That is freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. And that, was, that has been my driving 
everything I write, I'm like, oh, is this as good as Newton's canon? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, that's I didn't know that. That's really cool. So we're yeah. learning all kind of stuff about each other tonight. That's really neat. All right. Well, meanwhile, um, I by the way, I did not get any Babylon 5 related stuff this year. Last year, I got one of those guidebooks, I think, but I can't remember which one. Um, gotcha. There's so many. You know, there's so many like, yeah. episode guidebooks, but I got one of those. Yep. Um, but tonight, when we are well into season four now, we are into Le Good du Shadow. The, the Shadow War right. is going on, and we have just watched and are preparing to review for you tonight 404 Falling Toward Apotheosis. And um, we're going to get into that in just a second. Let me tell you first, uh, uh, first and foremost, this show... This program does not have ads. You don't have to listen to ads about anything. Isn't that glorious in this day and age? And the reason we don't have ads is because enough of our listeners currently go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com, and click on the button to become a patron. And when you become a patron, you enable us to keep the show going without having to go find alternate revenue streams. And that's very relieving and very good. So... Uh, please join their, follow their example and go to www.b5review.com and become a patron. Now, um, let's see. Um, did you have any news or notes before we get into this specific episode? I did not. I, I just have to say that, I, I mean, I knew season four moved fast, especially towards the end of the season, but I am impressed and, and shocked at how fast things are moving. Yeah. Only four four episodes in. I was like, holy crap, things are getting serious quick. Yes. So, I, I mean, I, I remember season four having a lot of stuff, being a banger after banger after banger. But I thought that was all because he had to cram everything from season five into season four. No, it started early. I mean, mm-hmm. this, I mean especially tonight's ep- or the, the episode we're going to be discussing tonight, it, mm-hmm. it, a lot happens. I mean, a lot of big, major stuff happens. So, yeah. It really does. I, I was impressed with that. It really does. And I've got something to say about that in just a couple of minutes because I actually made an observation this time through that I had not made before where I went and looked at the timeline of when these episodes came out because it did seem to me that season four was big, big, big. But it seemed like it was more spread out and not all crammed together to me. And now I realize that's not because of what's in the episode. It's because they broke this. This they broke season four out across like eleven or twelve months. It wow. it had long gaps between episodes, and I'm going to go through that in just a minute, very quickly, and kind of show you. But um, I, you know, my one note this week is that several people have asked me this. It looks less and less likely that we're going to get the B5 reboot on the CW because it looks like yeah. this new owner is just not into scripted dramas. It's not Babylon's 5's fault. It's not JMS's fault. Just a timing thing, right? That it looks like it right. just it's not going to it look like it, it could be any show and it just wouldn't get on there right. now. They are they are even uh, uh, getting rid of scripted shows that have already done and run their 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 course that are now on um, HBO Plus or HBO mm-hmm. Max, like Westworld, they they totally got rid of Westworld, and it's now <laughs> off of HBO Max. They just got rid of it. It's like, nope, we don't want it anymore. Make room for something else. I, I was floored because that was a huge hit for them. There's a lot of stuff like that going on with everything Warner related. It's kind of like, yep. it's like Warner related is the shadow stuff. And this new ownership people are kind of like the Vorlon Planet Killer. They're just coming in. If, <laughs> right. if Warner has touched anything, it's yeah. gone. It's gone because yeah. I mean, 
the yeah the whole Arrowverse on on yeah TV has just been scrapped, and that was super popular for CW. Oh yeah, get rid of all of it. Well, and the there was like what there was like a movie coming out soon that they they pulled the plug on when it was already almost done. The bat yeah bat Batwoman or bat Batwoman it was, and it yeah. was done, and they're like, eh, nah, mm-hmm. we'll take the tax right off instead. Unbelievable. Whoa. Yeah. yeah I thought that was something only Disney company. did with like John Carter. I didn't know that that was going to be something right. that, that Warner would do, but I guess so. So, um, yeah. Well, anyway, all right. So tonight we're going to talk about episode 404, season four, episode four, Falling Toward Apotheosis. I have to admit, when this episode first came out in 1996, I had to go find a dictionary because I didn't know exactly what apotheosis meant. But it means becoming a god, or like achieving godhood, yeah. or something like that. And so the the cleverness of the title is apotheosis is ascension, and falling is going down, and so it's right. going down to go up or something. So right, right. Um, I uh, I was a big fan. I I, I fell into the uh, the Gregorian chant fad back in the the early to mid nineties, and there was a band. Or a group, a musical group that was called Apotheosis that I listened to. So I, I knew yeah. that it was what 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 Apotheosis meant. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, I learned something, and that was good. And I I learned it back in 1996, and it's it's served me well since then. Um, all right. Let me move things around here, and we'll get going. All right. So you want to you want to you want to do the honors, or defer to the second half, or how you want to do? It? Oh, we're not. We don't have a second half no, anymore. I'll, right. <laughs> I'll go ahead and do this. Uh, the Vorlons are continuing their their march of destruction across the galaxy, mm-hmm. expunging uh, everything that that is related to the shadows. It's kind of like Sherman's march to the sea. It's like yes, crazy, good one. And uh, Babylon Five is is uh, kind of coordinating the refugee uh, uh, mess that has happened because of this, and they are receiving uh, way more refugees than they can handle. In the meantime. Uh, Londo is continuing his plotting against the emperor as uh, as as he as he spirals down into madness. Yeah. The emperor, not Londo. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Londo has his own issues. He doesn't need to spiral down into right. madness. He can do that later. Right now, he has a bigger fish to fry, bigger yeah. spoo to fry. All right, good job, good job. So this episode's P five rating, and I've I started giving those a few episodes ago because I found it interesting to see what the public back at the time that the episodes originally came out was, uh, especially now with these really big, hard-hitting episodes. The P5 rating for this one was 8.78 out of 10. So not not bad. Yeah, not bad. Almost a 9, so not too bad. This is production number 404. Originally aired November 25th, 1996. I got something to say about that. So it was right around Thanksgiving of 96 is when this aired. Of course, still in the written by by JMS. I'll be saying that for the rest of this season and part of next season. Directed by David Eagle. So there's one of our... I know we've probably got like nine Mount Rushmore of Babylon 5 directors at this point, but he's one of the nine, dang it. Yeah, he is. That's a name that we've said a lot, and he's yeah. always producing good stuff. So. He's always good, right? Um, notable guest stars. There's really only three this time. Notable. Uh, Ed Wasser returns as a very needing some lotion. Morden. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the. He, he he's he got the psoriasis. Aloe. He does, yeah. <laughs> um, nuclear psoriasis. Uh, Wayne Alexander, the great Wayne Alexander, is Lorian. 
and Wortham Krimmer, who we, we talked at length last time about his name and his background. We'll just keep calling him yeah. Wortham Krimmer because that's how he's billed on this as Emperor Katazia. All right. Do you have us some random factoids and notes about uh, falling toward apotheosis? Oh, let me see. What do I have here? The only thing that I have that I that I think was pretty cool was when um, Emperor Cartagia brings Lando into his study, and all those um, uh, heads are uh. the decapitated heads are sitting on his desk. Those heads were actually casts made from when they did uh, when the FX crews did the 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 uh, head casts for the makeup. So the one that you see sitting on his desk, the only one you actually see his face, yeah. is actually Andreas Katsoulis's <laughs> cast. I love it. They just—I mean, they just—they just went into the went into the the prop vault, grabbed out his mold, cast a a, a, a head from that, put some Minbari hair on it, and that was that was the decapitated head. So <laughs> I don't know if they were all Andreas or if they actually had different because they have. You know, with, with every alien that they do face prosthetics mm-hmm. for, they, they have to do a, a face cast or a head cast. Uh, so they could have had anybody. But I just thought it was funny and very ironic that the guy playing Jakar, his face was used as the face of a, of a um, uh, Centauri. I, I love that it was Jakar too. That it was that it was Andreas right. next to next to Londo. So he would have been disturbed even if it wasn't dead, because it was Jakar. <laughs> that for some strange reason makes me think of. Am I crazy? Or was there a Duran Duran video back in the '80s, and they had a like an alien creature mold of a face moving around, and it was Patrick Stewart? I <laughs> I don't know. Before Star Trek, bef- before Star Trek: The Next Generation, I I'll yeah. bet two American dollars that we saw Patrick Stewart's mold of his face in a Duran Duran video from Seven and the Ragged Tiger. May have been Union of the I will Snake. Have to look in fact. May have been that, Union that, of the that, Snake. That would have been just after he did the um, Excalibur. Oh, yeah, right around Dune. Yeah, yeah. Maybe right before I'll Dune. I'll have to look that one up. There you go. And then, of course, the, the, the classic uh, would be Halloween. The, the Michael Myers face is actually a uh, um, <laughs> William Shatner mask bought off In, the shelf at a Halloween store. That inside out. painted. Inside right. out. <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh, my gosh. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, because I know that fans of Friday the 13th are always trying to duplicate those, and I've read that like it was just this one particular mask that looked just right when they turned it inside out, and they yep. said like every other version of it doesn't quite look the same. That's why you never quite get that exact look from the movie, because they don't make that one anymore. Right, that, that's hilarious. That, that's so crazy, yeah. Um, okay, let me tell you the thing I noticed about the timeline. Just give me, in, indulge me for just a moment, and I'll tell you guys what's weird about the timeline. So, um, I had, I, I just noticed this, that this, I was noticing the dates when I was making my notes, that this episode aired in November of 96, and I got to thinking, and I'm like, this is the beginning, really, of this season, and it's airing in November of 96, and yet, I know that the end of the the end of season five aired in November of '98. So like two full years go by between where we are now and when they aired the uh, the end of the end of uh, the other season. And I'm like, wouldn't it have ended like in May or something instead of November? Right. That seems like it was going into yet another season, you know? Right. Um, so I just looked it up. Here's how it played out really quickly. Um, the 
the the um, yeah they I, I don't I didn't write the whole thing down but the next episode didn't air until the end of January of 1997 so in other words episode five that we're going to do in two weeks from now didn't air until the end of January of 97 so you had a two month wait in the middle of the freaking Shadow War oh my gosh no wonder I was losing <laughs> right. my mind they took they took all of December and January off. After the one we covered tonight. And then the next four all aired in February of 97. And then they took another two-month break and picked up again at the end of April with Racing Mars. So then it ran pretty regularly through May and June. And then they went from mid-June to early October with nothing. Three and a half months. But then they came back in mid-October and did four the four final episodes in late 1997. So it took pretty much an entire calendar year from November to November to get season four out. Wow. It didn't like air in, you know, 20 straight, 22 straight weeks and then take the summer off or whatever. Right. It was spread across the entire 12 months. And I'm wondering if that was because it was so effects heavy, the season. Could have been, yeah. I mean, there was a lot, because they were using, what, Amiga computers or something like Commodore 64s to do the the, the special effects for this, this right. show, and they just said that it would take just an ungodly amount of hours to render just one scene. So, yeah, I, I bet you that had something to do with it, because there was a lot of... A lot of effects. A lot of stuff effects going on this season. Yeah. In this season, particularly, yeah. And then yeah. season, and then season five, very simply, started airing at the end of January of '98, and it wrapped up at the end of November. So, it took a calendar year, but like literally an actual year. 1998 right. was the year season five ran. But this one aired. Right. I mean, this this season almost made it from from '96 to '98. That's how long it took. That's almost, crazy. yeah. Um, I did like that Ivanova gets to paraphrase FDR when she says, right now our greatest enemy is fear, obviously from FDR's inaugural, his first of four inaugurals. The only thing we have to fear is the shadow war. (laughs) I think think he said that, didn't he? Then the the Vorlon planet killer. The only thing we have to fear is the Vorlon planet killer, an insidious weapon in the hands of these aliens. Hitler, Mussolini, and Darth Kashi. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to see Lind Lease through the Babylon 5 universe. That'd be, like the Vorlons <laughs> or the Minbari start Lind Leasing to us to fight them. I'm sure that's what the Narns did, right? The Narns were neutral in the Earth Minbari War, but they were Lind Leasing like crap. Oh, sure. <laughs> they were Lind Leasing to the Earth like crazy, man. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Uh, by the way, that is an interesting thing we didn't really talk about back when we were talking about the Centauri Narn War. I never thought about it, but rem- but you remember how everybody was like financially gouging the Narn during their war with Centauri? How Jakar was just like, but if you take this money, it's all that we have. It's all that our children. Right. And they're like, well, it's going to take. We're going to take every bit of it, partner. Well, <laughs> what goes around comes around, Jakar, because that's what you did to Earth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That sucks to be on the yep. receiving end, doesn't it? Turnabout, man. <laughs> Dang. All right. Um, I, I was struck by how Sheridan, they made him seem so messianic at the beginning of this episode. And Entirely what, intentional. What really freaked me out was that the lady he picks up off the floor looked like one of the Dark Crystal characters. 
<laughs> One of the podlings. <laughs> I, I've never seen the Dark Crystal. I've just seen pictures of it. But that I'm like, this looks like the Dark Crystal Crete little girl. Anyway, uh, yeah, right. one of the little podlings right. said you, you, you're not wrong. Okay, cool. That's I'm glad. Funny. She's a that's a card too. There's like a conflict or an aftermath in the card game that shows her lying there screaming on the floor. And I always used to play in the cards. I'd be like, where does this even come from? I'd forgotten, you know, because these little things just go by in like two or three frames, you know, and you don't remember that specific, you know. But right. I would see I'd see her on the card game card and I'd be like, where was there a Dark crystal girl lying on the floor <laughs> screaming in that show. I don't remember this, but now when it came up, I was like, "Oh, there it is." Um, yeah, that that reminds me. I just have to. Yeah. I just have to toss this out there. I will have a. Uh, I, I of course, you know, peeked ahead at the next episode and I took my notes for it and everything. I will have a question about uh, the card game next time we record. Ooh, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Very good. I'm looking forward to us ever getting to play again too, because I want the Absolutely. revenge. <laughs> um, Lita says to, to Darth Kashi you can take it back to Vorlon and I'm like wait after three seasons and four episodes we now find out the name of the Vorlon homeworld is Vorlon <laughs> I had no idea before this yeah. I was yeah, like I, huh? uh, that didn't even register with me I guess I just always assumed that it was called Vorlon I don't know and our our beloved human that we live on, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. So it's no, it's not a guarantee. Narn is Narn, Centauri is Centauri, Vorlon is Vorlon, humans is Earth. Well, we're okay. Earthers. Yeah, Terra. Um, let's see. Okay, uh, let's get into the. Those were my notes. Emperor Cartagia has now. Uh, fulfilled the prophecy from the dream and the coming of shadows. He's taken out Jakar's eye. Yeah. So we knew that was coming. We've seen it in flash forwards quite a lot. Uh, oh, oh, I did have one other note about stuff um, because at one point JMS thanks somebody who posted an analysis of John and Delenn's relationship, and that helped. JMS said that helped him write the episode. So I followed yeah. the link to the website he mentioned, and it's not there anymore. It's called JohnDelenn.com, and it is for sale for thirty-five hundred dollars. <laughs> so if you've got thirty-five hundred dollars to burn. And you really, really want a website called johndelin.com, I can hook you up. Well, you can hook yourself up. 30, Just go to johndelin.com. $3,500. I mean, that's you know, for a website, that's not a lot. But I don't know. Who would think they would get any kind of return on investment on buying that? I, you know. Right. I right. guess if the show was coming back, but not now. Yeah, not, not really. No. There you go. <laughs> um, let's see. Unanswered questions. Here's one I'm really curious about. I want your thoughts on this, Andy. Um, After Olkesh Kosh and Kosh kind of zap Sheridan and leave him basically dead again on the floor, and Lorian revives him again, right? Mm -hmm. Then Lorian says he's got 20 years. Right. How many years of life did Sheridan have left after Lorian helped him on Zaha Doom, but before he got zapped by Ulkesh? That's that, a good question. That's what I want to know. That's a did, good question. I just assumed that the 20-year limit was caused by him getting nuked, but I didn't even think about the, the whole business with him and, and getting caught up with the whole Kosh versus Kosh battle. Because he said I had to jumpstart him again, basically. Right, right. So, yeah. Huh. 
I was, in, I was, I'd never thought about that before, but it, it, it kind of an interesting question. Yeah, what, sure. What was the Vorlon cause that compelled Lita to cooperate with them? I mean, I'm assuming that the Vorlon cause is what we're seeing playing out now about the idea of opposing the shadows and wanting to actually defeat them rather than just balance them or whatever. Right? Is that kind of what you see it? Yeah, that that's what I took it to be. Not yeah. not the whole genocidal blowing up of planets cause, but more the let's kick shadow booty cause. Yeah, the bring order to the galaxy and in the process kick right. the shadows butts. Yeah, I like it. Right. Okay. Um, for Lanus. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, it's almost like they're frozen in a block of ice. They're so uh, hmm. Well, we'll just leave that right there. Uh, Sheridan <laughs> authorized the transfer of refugees to Epsilon Three. A, without consulting withdrawal, and B, how are they going to breathe? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good question. I, I thought briefly of them, like, oh, wait a minute, does Epsilon 3 have an atmosphere? No. I did, yeah. It I, has I was, one I down was... in the Great Machine when the Great Machine wants it to, or Draw wants it to have a great uh, have an atmosphere. Right. But uh, I guess that's one way to take care of your refugee problem. Yeah, send them down the planet. They'll be fine. <laughs> we'll just we'll just let them loose on the surface of Mars, and it'll all be good. Um, I, you know the other the other thing. I wish we could have seen the, some of the results of that though, because I know that we could have had a scene that would go something like, "Zathras don't like refugees. Refugees fiddling with Zathras's machines. <sighs> Always bothering Zathras." So that would have, uh, yeah. I don't. I'm sure he didn't like that. How did Delenn recognize Kosh in his true form? Had she seen that version of him before? Another good question. Don't know. I think that that's the first time we saw the uh, the whole squid, in- insectoid looking squid type Vorlon. Yeah, I don't because they, they've always appeared as as some sort of angelic form. Yes, whichever angelic form your kind sees or imagines, that's what they right. are. So was was that the true Vorlon that we saw, or is that Alkes Kosh just uh, yes. showing no, I, something scary? I think this was the real deal because that's how that's how Kosh Kosh came out of Sheridan too, just that's yellow true, yeah. versus purple. But right. I, Andy, I just got to say how much I love the scene where Alkesh in his squid form gets mad. And he has these two big cartoony burning red eyes staring at, at, at Sheridan. Yeah. That that one little f- moment, that one little second where he's up in the air and he's like, whoa, and his little eyes are all lit up. And I'm just like, I want a plushie of that. <laughs> I want evil Darth Olkesh Kashi with big burning red eyes because he was so cute. I couldn't take it. I thought he was scary as crap when he was in his suit, but when he popped out and started flying around and then popped the big red eyeballs out, I'm just like, okay. All right. That was awesome. It was awesome, but I just, the big red burning eyeballs just, I just (laughs) lost it at that point. It was cool, and I I don't, it didn't look bad. It just, two big burning red eyes. I'm, okay. I love it, but yeah. I'll leave it at that. Um, could the alien healing machine have been used on Sheridan? I, I thought that exact same thing. But I, I'm guessing that the power of Lorien would kind of be even greater than the alien human, uh, healing machine. And maybe so because he was actually... Well, maybe because he was actually dead. Yeah. May have been too late. I, I think mean, he was just mostly dead. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. I guess it just would be too little too late or something. I'm not really yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, we have to assume that when Delenn said the price, John, the terrible, terrible price, if you go to, you know, when we won the war in War Without End, your favorite episode, um, <laughs> at that time it was 17 years in the future. So now we know he only had two or three years left right. to live, according to Lorian. So, right. She was, if she's upset now, she was probably darn upset thinking about how he came yep. to only have a couple of years left. So, yep. Um, is the original Kosh the only Vorlon that opposes what the rest of the Vorlons are doing now? It sure seems like it. Yeah. I mean, they got a whole big fleet out there murdering people. So I didn't, I didn't I see know. any, I didn't see any Vorlons march around. Hell no, we won't go. Right. No, they were on board, so, okay. Yep. Um, Londo just squandered one of his chances for redemption. He did not save the eye that does not see. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we never 100% nailed that down, but it right. seemed awful I, much. Right. I thought that that meant Jakar as a whole, not just as a Yeah. Eye. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll leave that. That the whole thing is amorphous, and we're never going to be able to have a definitive answer. Right. And, and I think right. JMS changes his answer every time anybody asks. So that's fine. Well, you know, the next time we have JMS on the show, we'll have to ask him. That. Yeah. Oh, of course. Sure, that happens all the time. <laughs> um, when Cartagia talks about the end of Centauri Prime, he says, um, "What is it? Let it." What does he say? Something like, "We will let it burn and let it all end in fire." And that. The question is asked: Is that related to Emperor Turhan telling telling uh, Ka, I mean uh, Kosh telling Emperor Turhan? Remember, um, Emperor Turhan was dying. Kosh comes up to him. Emperor Turhan says, "How will this end?" And up uh, and Kosh says, "In fire." So this is that fire, presumably. Yep. Yep. And and I guess in spoiler space. I have one other thing to say about that. Um, now, I made a note. Okay. I will probably forget by the time we get to it, as I usually do, but that's okay. All right. I think I'm almost to the end of the unanswered questions. Um, let's see. Why did the two Vorlons leave the station by way of the ceiling? That's the opposite direction they needed to go if they wanted to go outside. I, I, I didn't, I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> I, you know, I think that's why. I'm glad you said that. I think the reason they did it that way is because in our minds we think of up leading to outer space, not down. Exactly. Right. And so right. if they'd gone through the floor, people would have been confused. Right. Yeah. That I, I certainly would have been. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I need... probably would, I, I probably would have worked the physics out. Like, oh, wait a minute. So yeah, that's why. Mm -hmm. But yeah. no, yeah, it, it it just seemed more natural, and just from framing, you know, framing yeah. the scene, yes. having something go up out of the sky, you know, out of the the top of the 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 frame is much more dramatic than having it sink through the the bottom of it. Plus, they, I was watching that carefully again. They didn't exactly like go outside the station wrestling. They just kind of rippled along the hull. Right, right. And that's not the first time we've seen that effect. Yeah. I think the other time was when Kosh died. The, yeah. Well, 
when, when the shadows murdered him, yeah. Right. Yeah, that seems right. So, And I do remember there was a question, I might get to this later, but I just couldn't say it, is, um, you know, did it actually kill either one of them? And JMS was basically like, when the ship blew up, that was pretty much the end of all of it. The ship's gone. Right. They're both gone. Boom, boom, boom. Dead, dead, dead. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not mourning old Ulkesh. All right, I have a few JMS speaks. Uh, one is falling towards something which is rising, therefore promising imminent conflict. JMS said it took him seven and a half hours to mix the audio of just the last few minutes of this episode. He and he and Copeland started at seven o'clock and finished at two thirty a.m. Holy he cow! Sent, he sent out a message just for the last few minutes the battle that we were just talking about, yeah. and he said uh, he sent out a message to the to the people on his message board or whatever back then saying you know if you have a friend that has a really good audio system watch it on their TV. Um, uh, let's see. Oh yeah, JMS says we cut back on the lens flare because now everybody's doing it, and we don't want to keep we don't want to do what everybody else is doing. So, <laughs> uh, why didn't Kosh project an illusion? Because it takes concentration, and Kosh was kind of distracted. Oh, and he says the encounter suit was mainly to mask them. So now we know definitively, definitively from JMS that the reason that the Vorlons wore the encounter suit was just to keep people from seeing what they look like. We kind of knew that, but he'd never really said it before, you know, right. except for here. So, so um, what part of the what part of the tentacle do you think that he that the uh, the assassin in the pilot attached the poison? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, and somebody did ask him that here. They said if they're basically energy beings that can float around like that, then how is he able to be poisoned? And JMS says they do have a physical presence, and it can be disrupted. So they're not amorphous energy beings entirely. They're almost, I don't know what you'd call them. There's some, there is some physical aspect to them, though. So yes. there you go. It is interesting, though, to think that that's what they, you know, to, to wonder what did the Vorlons, what was their physical form before they basically became space gods? Like when they were, right. when they were like cave Vorlons, were they squids? <laughs> Were they bipeds, you know? Were they lizards? What exactly? I, I assume they were kind of squid-like things in the water, probably. Maybe they, maybe the planet Vorlon is, is like a gas giant, and they were always an energy being. Ooh. That's, yeah. a, that's a deep thought. Yeah. That's a deep thought. I like that. All right. We'll leave that out there. Let's, I'm curious what the listeners think. What did the Vorlon start out looking like? What's y'all's opinion? Were they, were they energy creatures from the beginning, were they like underwater squid creatures that got really, really smart and built up their technology? Were they on land? Were they in the? Were they floating? Were they? Yeah, what, that would be an interesting idea if they were kind of like balloon creatures floating around in an atmosphere and they kind of. Yeah. So yeah, interesting, because it raises all kind of questions about what kind of environment do you need around you for your species to become technological? You know, do you need rocks and? You know the stuff right. that we've built our society on, or can you do it out of a gaseous, gaseous environment? Or can you do it in underwater? Because right. like underwater, you couldn't do electricity things really, not the same way. Right. So interesting thought. This okay. Interesting thought. Um, let's see. Um, oh, why does Morden think that the the Vorlons won't blow up Centauri Prime? Because he's like convinced, right? And, right. and JMS says, Morden is living in denial. He's afraid and he's hoping he's right. Centauri Prime <laughs> has more civilians than any other planet or colony hit so far. Three billion people. 
The shadows are hoping a figure that high will daunt even the Vorlons. I think the Vorlons would have blown it up. What do you think? Uh, I think absolutely they would have blown it up due to things that happen later in the yeah. season. There you go. All right. Um, had John followed Delin's advice, don't go to Zaha Doom, would he be in the same situation anyway? Had he not gone to Zaha Doom, JMS says, uh, he would have avoided that fate but caused another. Um, Minbari, by the way, can easily live to be about 140. So um, that's how much time Delin kind of suspected that she lost from being around John. It was like 80 years, kind of, in her opinion. Yep. So, um, there was a question somebody asked JMS that Delin is just kind of fawning over Sheridan. And basically, JMS says she's about to get hardcore again pretty soon. And I remember that there is an episode, this is not a spoiler, but just I remember there is an episode coming up down the road a little bit where JMS specifically said, we need to make her kick butt again. We've gotten her to be too much right. the leading lady and not a much, not enough the heroic action character, which she is. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would say ever since she broke the staff and destroyed the Grey Council, she's kind of gotten mushy, so she needed to get tough again. And that's what makes her such a great character is the fact that she can be the kick butt leading, you know, action lady and also the quote unquote love interest of the, the main hero too. I mean, she's, you know, she, she's multifaceted. She's, she's a complex character that can do all kinds of different things. Yeah, that's right. Somebody asked JMS, there's only 3 billion people on Centauri prime. He says, basically I figure with a culture in decline, Often the birth rate goes down. It's a fairly small world, all things considered. A lot of them live on other colonies. They've been spreading out a lot longer than we have. They've always been sensible about birth control and population growth, and that's one of their few wisdoms, one we could learn from. Hmm. He says, um, what about Kasha's uh, comment about Sheridan opening an unexpected door? And was that related to the change in Vorlon's strategy? JMS says they couldn't break the rules of engagement, but Sheridan did, and that started things moving in this direction. So in some ways, it's kind of Sheridan's fault that the Vorlons are doing what they're doing. He's kind of cleaning right. up his own mess. Right. Remember, he's the one said, get off your encounter-suited butts and do something. Well, guess what, Johnny? They did. <laughs> they are. Right. Now you gotta you gotta wonder was was Sheridan manipulated into I mean was this part of the Vorlons mm. plan mm. was what was the reaction that they had by pulling out the planet destroyer Ooh. was that always the plan they were Ooh. just looking for somebody to you know stir the pot so they could do that or was that like oh my god what is this 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 Earther doing crap let's go get the the planet destroyer and clean up this mess <laughs> I'm, I'm curious I'm gonna say. It's like, it's like, wait, hold on. <laughs> I to do it this way. It's like they're having a conversation and all of a sudden. Hey, you know, Arkosh, we have that planet killer parked over there, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, could have been. All right. Uh, I think that's plenty. Um, I don't think we need to do a whole other episode of just notes and, and discussion. I think right. we've covered everything. <laughs> Off to spoiler space now, right? <laughs> yeah, about, just about. Now let's go into our, let's get to our categories here. Everybody loves the categories, hopefully. Um, what was your high point of this episode? My high point was, uh, we talked about it already, was the big battle between Kosh versus Kosh. That was a, that, oh. I mean, the whole, the whole scene, the way they manipulated him. And I mean, smile and Johnny uh, crap. Mm. Look what he's done. I mean, he was, the, the only yeah. guy to take down a Minbari 
you know, ship during the Check. war. Check. He was the, the, the first one to destroy a shadow ship. Check. And now he's the first human to kill a freaking Vorlon. I mean... Check. He is not kidding. And he went to Zahadoob and blew the crap out of them. I mean... And came what back. What the heck? Check. And came back. What the heck? That's four. Is, is there another check up there? That's at least four. At least yeah, four. I mean... Massive. And, and it's... Uh, and we had talked about this before. You know, if you had listed all that that he would have done by the end of the show, it would have been like, oh, that's just, you know... That's ridiculous. He's a superhuman. That's you know that's so you know overdone. <laughs> but you know, watching it take place piece by piece by piece, it all makes sense and it's yes. totally believable. It's just well, he is. I mean, that's just his character. I mean, he he pulls these crazy wins out of his butt. Yes. you know by by doing some some crazy stuff. Yeah, let's strap a nuke to an asteroid and send it into the Minbari ship. Or yeah, Gordon. let's set up this crazy. Let's strap a nuke to the White Star and crash dive into the whole planet of the, <laughs> the shadows and oh yeah. yeah let's set this trap up with all these gadgets electrical gadgets and just shoot the crap out of you know darth kashi uh, it, it's it's mm. crazy but it worked and it was an awesome scene it was i mean and then when when kosh jumps out and they start I, I mean it was cool i thought when when uh, Darth Kosh came out and started whipping around with his evil squid form. Even with the glowing eyes, I thought that was cool. <laughs> the and then eyes. when he drew, I, uh, uh, I, I guess we'll have to call him Kosh Skywalker or something out of out of uh, Sheridan. And then yes. they went at it. I thought that was just amazing. Yes, I was gonna say you left out a couple of couple of accomplishments. That just shows you what he's done. Right. Apparently going to marry a Minbari. And let's just not forget declared independence from Earth. Right. That's just a, a little thing he did on Saturday, you know, along the way. Good gosh. You're yeah, right. I never really stopped great. to enumerate them before. That's yeah. six six things that, good gosh. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I had to feed Olkesh Kosh, the whole thing involving that. Um, but also the marriage proposal. I like that John just sort of took the marriage proposal for granted that she was saying yes. Because, all right, I love that that she has gaps in her knowledge, right? So he hands her the – he's being all slick. He's, he's hidden the ring in its little box right. under a cushion or something. <laughs> oh, I wondered. I thought I'd lost that or whatever, right? He hands her the little box, little furry box, right, like we've all seen. Yeah, right. And she's just holding it and looking at it. And right. he's like, when when a, no when, a, when we when, when you love somebody and you want to be with them, you give them one of these, and you know she's like, you know, Delenn, right? You know she's sitting there going, half of her is going, uh, well, he he means well here. I should like encourage him and be supportive. And the other half of her is going, the hell is this thing? What is this little box? What am I supposed to do with this? What, what the heck am I supposed to do with this, right? And then he opens it up, and she's kind of like, oh, there's a sparkly thing inside, right? And he takes it out and puts it on her finger. And I'm like, dang, John, don't you know? Don't give her any options here. Just take it out just put it right on there. Like, well, here we go. We're, we're engaged. Like it's, like it's Henry V in the 14th century, you know. And, right. I think he's taking advantage of her naivety. Yes. And then all, because yeah. yeah, all we needed was a scene where she goes, John, I found out what this meant. So here, you can have this back. <laughs> I looked it up. Well, I got on, I Googled it on Universe Today and uh, on Babcom. Did, didn't she, 
didn't isn't she the one who married Sinclair without telling him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the 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 rebirth ceremony in right. Parliament of Dreams that she accidentally right. married someone who may or may not be her great 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 grandfather. Right. Yeah. She's got no room to talk. I mean, Depending on how you, yeah. There you go. I love that. All right. What was your, that was a good one. What was your low point of the episode? Oh wow, my low point was uh, um, when they were talking when uh, uh, Lorianne and, and Sheridan were telling Delenn. That was yeah. so so difficult to watch. I mean, man, when when he just you know, and then one day he will simply stop. That was oh my god, having it it, it really. Uh, I mean. It it hit me hard. I mean, yeah. it, it was it was rough. So yeah, twenty was, years, uh, barring illness or injury, and then one day he will simply stop. Man. Yeah, it's a good run, Delin. I'll be in my early sixties, but you told me that humans could live to be a hundred or more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have gone to Zahadoom. All right, what do you want, lady? <laughs> Give me a break. I just won the freaking. Sh- I, well, I set us on the path to this to winning the Shadow War. Maybe. What do you want? Um. Yeah, I had that, but I also had um, that that when Londo just kind of blows off Cartagena's question about Jakar looking at him, and you're you know when he says when 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 Londo's like I don't know, do whatever you want with him. What do I care? Basically, and Cartagena's right. like, ooh, okay, let's see, what'll I do to him? And you're just kind of like, oh, oh no, yeah, that yeah. can't be good. That can't be good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what if he'd taken out both of his eyes, Londo? You'd have really screwed the pooch right. then. And he could have. His cartoon could have. Your little plot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would not have worked. So, hmm. Uh, save the eye, doesn't it? See. Um, most Babylon 5 scene. Most Babylon 5 scene was the, uh, again, something we just talked about, the engagement the engagement of Sheridan and Delenn. I thought that was, yeah. I mean, that was the whole the whole thing is about them and their relationship. Yeah. I mean, the whole series is so, I mean, that that's, that's a, a big moment in the, in their relationship. And it was very, uh, very well done. They are the ultimate space opera couple. They are. Absolutely. I mean, none of the other shows that we like has a space opera couple like this. None of them. No, not, not even close. I mean, not even close. Farscape, Farscape flirts with it, but, but, Crichton and uh, what's her name, Claudia Black. They are yeah, not, not anywhere on the level of the of of what Sheridan right. and Delenn are, the leaders of their people, essentially. In the right, and, and I love Farscape, but yeah, that's oh, not yeah. even close. I mean, yeah. there's nothing even in sci-fi uh, cinema. I mean, nothing yeah. in Star Wars comes. I mean, Han and Leia, they're they're a cute couple, not even close. Not to close what, to what's this. going on there. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I had the Vorlon fleet that comes right at us at the end of the cold open. Yeah, that was pretty dark. That's a Balan 5 scene. And then I also had to give an honorable mention to, again, let it burn, Malari, and let it all end in fire. I thought that that, uh, Kremer did a really good job this episode. I liked him better. I know he's playing the same character the same way the whole time. I guess it was just the lines he got and some of the things he got to do in this episode really impressed me more than he has up to this point. Right. And he could have played this thing over the top the entire time and he still is is he's playing it pretty even keeled for somebody yeah. who is as crazy as as Cartagia is. And I mean he had his little flares like every time he sat down he'd flip out his little his little uh skirt, I guess you could call his it tails, or a little yeah. cape. So yeah. yeah, so he wouldn't sit on the so he wouldn't crease it when he sat down. But that was, I mean, that was, 
I thought, you know, in line with the character, I, I, I thought he did a fantastic job. He, he played it. He could have gone over the top and crazy with this character, and he, he, he didn't. He did a very, very even keeled and, and uh, un, un, uh, understated. I guess would be a good way to, to call it. It's, it's hard to imagine what he's doing, <clears throat> understated here, but yet you almost couldn't overstate it. That character. And so I know what you mean. You know, in other words, yeah. it because it's such an insanely off the wall insane character. Right. You you literally could be chewing the scenery and not do it any right. You can not undersell right. it. And so what he's doing, yeah, you're right. It's an interesting. It's a, it's just it's very specific to that character. Yeah. So I, imagine um, if they had the actor who played Ari Benzane. <laughs> as, oh God. No. <laughs> yeah. no, stop it. Stop it. No. Oh, God. no. Wrong. <laughs> that was wrong of you. I mean, that yeah. would be epic. Oh, how goodness. bad it would have how bad it would have been. So, we, we what we could have gotten and what we got are, are I I'm very happy with what we got. <laughs> Let it burn, Malari. Let all in and fire. <laughs> That's what you would have gotten. Wow. Oh my gosh! All right, favorite character moment. Oh, for me, my favorite character moment was. I mean, I did this so long ago. Where is it at? Where is? Oh, Delenn and Sheridan when they're together for the fir- alone together for the first time since he got back towards the beginning of the the episode. I thought that was a pretty cool scene. Who was it? I missed you. When Delenn and Sheridan got together and talked for the first time. Oh right, right, right. Alone since Sheridan's been back. I thought that was a really cool scene. Because yes. she went in there, uh, it, it was just a neat scene the, the way that they. Because she was, you know, she was very upset and mm-hmm. she was begging for his forgiveness, and she was mm-hmm. like, "I don't know if you'll, you know, if if you'll forgive me." And he's like, "How could I not forgive the woman that I love?" Yeah. He, he said, he even said, "It was you that that brought me back when I was when I was dying when I was dead." It was my love for you that brought me back. So how could I not forgive you? I thought which, that was a really cool story. Which we know is true because he said, Lorian right. said, do you have anything worth living for? And he goes, Dylan. Yep. That yep. was that great yep. ending of episode two, I believe, right? That we saw. Yeah. That, the ultimate show don't tell. I mean, right yeah. there. Oh, God. That was so it's good. one thing to say that, but it's, I mean, we actually saw it and it was awesome. Um. What, I had a couple of exchanges I thought were good. I'm going to do this one. I wrote this one down verbatim because it's very terse. But see if you remember who it is that's saying this and, and when. All right, they go like this. You heard? I heard. They need something. They need to believe in something, not in me. You can't save them all. I can try. You'll fail. We'll see. That yep, was the... That was yeah, Sheridan and Lorian. Yeah, at the beginning. Yep. That was good. I just when I saw that that I it immediately I could remember the entire conversation. And I, it is kind of yep. non sequitur filled. Like he goes from they need to believe in something to you can't save them all. And I'm like, wait, whoa, where, where did we turn turn that corner? You know, but uh, <laughs> right. But it was good. I liked it overall. Yeah. Um, I've got to say something for Garibaldi here. Okay, we got Garibaldi back last episode, I think, or right before. What I, th- I you know, Jerry Doyle does a dang good job in this stretch of episodes because he's, as somebody said, grouchier than usual. He is. Mm-hmm. He's grouchier than usual in this in this part of the show. And he's unlikable. 
as as unlikable as 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 Garibaldi ever has been. But but yet all Jerry Doyle does, aside from the dialogue that he's given, right? All he does is just there's certain facial expressions and tics that he makes. And yep. certain kind of chewing on his lip and kind of looking his head sideways and all. And he keeps yep. doing those little touches that convey that he's not, he ain't right. Right. I agree. I thought, and looking back now, I don't have him down for a single one of my categories. And he was one of the, the, the major factors of this show. I mean, no, just I for it. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing considering that he had zero, I mean, like zero acting credentials before right. he took that role. Yeah, he made a couple up. Right, right. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, that's what always cracks me up when I see like uh, um, Zach in a scene with him, and Zach's having to like defer to him and everything. And yeah. I keep thinking, you're like this celebrated actor was in Greece, was in Taxi, all this stuff you've done. Jerry Doyle lied his way in, got a got a job with no credentials, and you're having to defer to him. It just blows my mind that he's that, that's that Jerry kind of carved out his little empire there and <laughs> ruled yeah. the roost, you know. So God bless and, him and and carried himself spectacularly. Just yeah. for just the reasons you said. I mean, acting is so much more than just delivering your lines. You know, yes. I mean, it, Jerry Doyle put everything into into that character, and it shows that in every episode he gets a chance to shine. That's true. Yeah, I, again, I it's especially noteworthy to me when when the when the actor is doing these little subtle things to convey, you know, a sense of something, and it's in a negative way, right? If he was doing things that made him more endearing, which they let Sheridan do for for three seasons now, you know, right. that's that's one thing, and that's great. But Jerry Doyle is actively making himself less likable and doing a good job of it on purpose. Right. And subtly. It, right. By staying in character. He's not saying or doing anything no. that, that Garibaldi wouldn't have said or done the 100%. first three seasons. It's 100%. Just, yeah. It's, it's oh, amazing. Oh, the, we got to mention, because again, this doesn't fit in any of our categories, but the scene where Zach is like, are you okay, Chief? He's like, how come every time I turn around, people are asking me if I'm okay? And we can all sympathize with that. We've all had like a mom or a grandma or somebody that just kind of pesters us about, you know, that's fine. We appreciate it. But then he says this great thing. And again, this is JMS, but the way that Jerry Doyle delivers it and does the facial and everything, the performance is so good. He says something like, you know, Sheridan comes back from Zaha Doom. Everybody's like, yay, you're back. I come back and everybody's like, are you okay, chief? Where, where, what's the matter? You know, he's like, why is it, you know, the double standard there? And right. Zach's like, I don't know. It's yeah. true. Because we know that one of them came back Good, and we don't know what the deal is yet on the show with Garibaldi, except the psychor is involved, right? We know that. Yep. So we know that there's reason to be suspicious. Right. But the show doesn't know that. Yep. So you're right. Garibaldi yeah. is yeah. acting in character to be out of character. Right. <laughs> he is literally out of character right now, but he's in character about it to the point that we can't pin him down, and they can't pin right. him down. Zach can't pin yep. him down. The doctor can't pin him down. He is grouchier yep. than usual, but it's Garibaldi. He's grouchy. What are you going to do? You're going to say right. you can't come back to work because you're grouchier than usual? You're Garibaldi. You're always grouchy. <laughs> and they even do the, the, the scan on the back of his head to see yes. if he got messed with by, by oh. the, the shadows at all. Well, thank goodness. I thought that should have been the first thing right. they did. Not the last. <laughs> right. 
That was the last thing. <laughs> that Franklin's that. like, well, let's see. You disappeared when the shadow ships were all around the station and you were out in a fighter. I'm going to run every other test first. And then, oh, I guess at the end, maybe we'll do the, did you get taken in by the shadows and converted to a shadow circuit board test? I guess we'll tack right. that one on here at the end for, for kicks, right? And didn't it seem like Franklin almost expected it to come back positive? Yeah, right. <laughs> he was almost like, my, dang, man. Yeah. You're normal. My, my, wife mentioned, my wife mentioned that. She goes, it's going to come back positive. I know it is. <laughs> yeah, so, does, so does Franklin here. <laughs> yeah, Franklin. Oh, yeah, you know, he's ready to he slap the all, handcuffs on Michael. Yeah. He was being all, trying to be all nonchalant. You know, this is no big deal. We'll just test you out real quick. Don't mind that. I mean, it was like, this is just. All right, you're. Yeah. This is just the you're evil over. shadow slave servant test. No big deal. It's standard. We run it on everybody these days. No, no big over deal. We're selling it a little bit there, Doc. Yeah, it was so good. So good. Um, the other thing that. Um, Oh, this is, I have to mention this one. This is the last one I want to mention in this category, but this was just so good. Because you talked about the performance by Krimmer, Wortham Krimmer as the, as the emperor. Okay. Yeah. There's this one moment, because he's, he's over the top, but in a reserve I know that doesn't make sense, but it's kind of a contradiction. Right. But he's over the top in a reserve way. It's, you're right, it's true. But there's that one scene where Londo just goes into full kiss-your-rear-end mode, right? I mean, Londo has figured out that the way to manipulate this emperor is to kiss his butt. Yeah. And um, there's this one moment where Londo just kind of goes into overdrive, and he's like, oh, it's just going to be so great when you become a god and burn the whole planet up. Man, that's going to be awesome. It's just going to rock. We're all just so excited. You'll become a god, and we'll all be toast. That's going to be fantastic. And then the camera switches to the emperor, and he's just like, right, like no reaction at all, exactly, because yeah. he's everything Londo is saying as flattery. The emperor has already internalized as the fact. Yep. So like if Londo's there going, man, when you become a god, it's just going to be the greatest thing ever. The emperor's like, uh huh. What else? Yeah, I know, I know. What else you got for me here? Yeah. Tell me something I don't know, Londo. Right? Just right. his expression, and that was more chilling to me. Right. Because he could be on a dime, just cold. Yeah. Instead of the all, oh, Malari, oh, you know, let's look at this dead body. You know, he goes from that to just right. The, yeah, the, the oh, stare. The stare. That stare. Yeah. yeah. Creepy as crap. That guy does a really good job as the emperor. He, it, it impressed me more this time through than it did last time. Okay. Speaking of turning on a dime, <laughs> funniest moment. <laughs> funniest moment. I back uh, myself in these situations sometimes. Delivered by Ivanova, of course. God, I thought oh, I was depressing. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good and so true. That was the that was the perfect line. That was awesome. I just love that line. That is so true. Good for her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Funniest moment. I had a couple. Garibaldi says he doesn't trust Lorian. Zach says, "Come on, Chief. The captain vouched for him. Said he saved his life." Garibaldi says, "I thought he died on Zahadoom." And Zach's like, yeah, well, after that part. <laughs> like Zach gets some funny lines. Um, I do like that because they want us to... We've talked about this before, right? The Garibaldi thing is, is Garibaldi... Susp How to put this? When I watched this the first time and didn't know what was coming up, okay, 
when I watched this episode and these, these, this whole season the first time, this episode does start out presenting Sheridan as the Messiah. And then Lorian is always lurking over his shoulder. Okay? So when Garibaldi is very suspicious of that, there was a big part of me that's like, man, if, if Garibaldi's suspicious of all this, I should be suspicious of all this, right? Right. Why well, I, I shouldn't just take Lorian at face value. I shouldn't just take Sheridan at face value. Did they did 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 Franklin run the, the shadow test on Sheridan? They, and they very specifically never showed that. Ooh, yeah. So, in other words, we have been conditioned through four, three and a half seasons of this show that if Garibaldi is dubious and suspicious of something or somebody, we don't say Garibaldi's just a nut. We say, right. watch out. He, if Garibaldi's onto it, he's like a bloodhound, right? So that's what makes this so interesting is that Garibaldi is so suspicious and Sheridan and Lorian are so mysterious that we want to believe and buy into Sheridan, but but there's a part of us that's going, maybe Garibaldi's right. Maybe Sheridan is has be, you know, become Cartagia or something, thinks he's a god or something. Yep, it was very well played. Who's falling toward apotheosis? Right, <laughs> because they're setting. They, I mean, they're setting both Sheridan yes. and and Cartagia up to to be, yeah, achieving living gods. gods. Yeah. Yep. And it's all going to end in fire. Um, yeah, that really struck me. Um, and again, the, the idea of using Garibaldi in that way is so smart because we've had three seasons to 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 believe everything that he suspects. He's always right. He's always on to right. something. Absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, and the other funniest moment was when Sheridan gets a call. It's Ambassador Malari. Londo? He's probably calling collect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. All right, so who won this episode? Uh, I would have to say Sh- <laughs> Sheridan won this episode. Mm, um, okay. He got engaged. You know, he, he, he got uh, – he, I mean, he, he achieved every goal he, he set out. You know, he got rid of, of, of Darth Kashi. Uh, he put that brilliant plan together. Got rid of him. Uh, he got engaged to Delenn, his you know the, the space princess. Yep. yep. Um, he's he, he's riding high right now, so he's he's the clear winner of this one. Yeah, I had Sheridan. I also mentioned Delenn because things kind of work out pretty well for her. She goes right. from thinking she's lost him forever to basically getting engaged to him, but also finding out it's not going to last forever, unfortunately. But you know he could get hit by a bus tomorrow anyway, or run over by a Brakiri cruiser. So you never know. And then. Uh, <laughs> And honestly, worrying about how somebody's how much somebody's going to live a natural life when you're getting ready to go into the shadow war is a little keep your perspective, I guess. Um, right. The other person I thought won this episode was maybe Lita. Ooh, because I didn't she, even think of that one. She was freed from the Vorlons. Yes, she was. You know what she can do, Andy? She can go buy some dang furniture. Yeah, <laughs> she can. <laughs> and now she can she can, you know, join the the rest of the Babylonian Excuse me. The rest of the Babylon Five command staff, because they will obviously welcome her with open arms for her and, and for her, her action in oh, setting up Kosh. They'll they clearly they'll let her have the biggest quarters on the station for free in perpetuity, so that as a powerful right. weapon that she is, she will be on their side and can help them and get amply rewarded for it. And they'll treat yep. her like the great friend and ally that she. No, not so much. Right. 
Okay. And she put a lot. She put a lot on the line. She literally oh, put goodness. her life on the line. I mean, 100%. if if Alkesh Kosh, I mean, he very nearly called her out before they got to that area, and he could have fried her brain in in like a second. With, without a, even a second thought, he would have done that. So she was really putting herself out there for for the good guys. Um, yes. So yeah, yes, I can, absolutely. I can. Yeah, she she finally. Yep. No, I agree. So who lost this episode? I think we all know who lost this episode. I have Kosh losing this yeah. episode. Um, both of them. I mean, yeah, I mean, they fair. both died. So yeah, but yeah. The, but one went out in a good way, and one went out in ignominious defeat. So this is true. This is true. Yeah. I have to say something about that because that's what I had was Ulkesh Kosh, Darth Kashi himself. Um, the, I may have mentioned this before, but I've always said that one of the things there's so many reasons that I that, to love this series, and we've talked about so many of them, and we're going to talk continue to talk about them. Right. But one of the th- one of the moments that still resounds in my mind as clearly as the moment it happened was when I watched this episode. And I was sitting there watching how everything was playing out with Darth Kashi. And I said to myself, here's what I would do. And then the exact thing I said happened on the screen. And that was when I said, this show is my favorite property of all time of any media, not just because it's so good, but because it does what I would do if I were writing it. That's when you know a show really is for you, is you say, if I were writing this, what would I have done? And you would have done exactly the same thing. Right, exactly. Because I had a scene in a book I wrote in 1991-92 that was finally published in 2009. <laughs> but um, I had a scene in there where two energy beings were inside two human characters and in the big climactic battle, the two energy beings come out of them and have this giant cosmic battle up in the air over them. And so when that started playing out on the screen, I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is like my story. <laughs> Unbel- and it was just because that's, the, that's what I thought would have been cool, and that's what JMS thought was cool. Right. It just made me so happy. All yeah. right. Well, that's really cool. Um, oh, everybody's favorite moment. How did we rate the episode? And again, for first-time listeners, we go on a scale of 0.0 to 5.0, with 0.5s being okay. So on a scale of 0 to 5.0, how did you rate Falling Toward Apotheosis? I rated this one a 4.5. It was a big episode for me. Um, And I I didn't really remember the specifics of this episode, until I sat down and watched it. And while I was watching, I was watching with my wife, we were just enthralled the entire episode. That scene when when they were drawing out uh, Alkesh Kosh and then finally uh, fought him and killed him, I was on the edge of my seat. And I knew what happened. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was such a cool episode. And then they, you know, they had all the other bits thrown in there. And it was very well written. Very, I mean, all the scenes that, that we had with, you know, with all the great, great characters and actors... I it I was really impressed with this episode more so than I thought I would be. Yeah, I gave it a 4.0. So it's one of those rare moments where I give it a lower one than you do, which is interesting. And I have the I wrote down my rationale. I said the only thing that's and it, this was as I mean, I really wrestled. I I really thought about 4.5. And yeah. I wrote the only thing, the only thing that held it back from a 4.5 is that there's really only one decisive thing that happens, and that's the defeat of Olkesh Kosh. 
Everything else that happens is still just moving the pieces around the board for later, right? Right. Everything that happened on Centauri Prime is just setting up some future denouement, right? Everything that's happening with Sharon Delin, they don't get married, they just get get, get uh, engaged and everything. It's all setting up, setting up, setting up, setting up. It's does a fantastic job of setting up. But right. yeah, and, and honestly, that, I didn't make a note here. I said, even so, that's a pretty big thing, the defeat of Volkesh. So if, I mean, I'm, it's like a 4.49559 for me. I just can't quite get it there, but it's really, really close. You're rounding down. I am. I am. Unlike my grades, yeah. which I tend to round up, uh, I'm rounding down. <laughs> All right. Let's pause for just a second to thank the patrons. Um, again, go to www.b5review.com. Click on the button that says become a patron. One of the things you get to do is put whatever you like on your as your name, and I will read it. So you can put entire sentences and phrases there. Here are the fine folks who are currently keeping our program going, and we appreciate them more than I can possibly say. They include Christopher Anastasia, Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Ben Zane. I am missing my category, mister. Emma Jane Alexander, <laughs> Leah G., Rich Hammett, Debbie Norris, Dragon Condolin, Emmanuel Seaman, Jalja. I don't pronounce Mimbari very well for an Alabamian. Jalja. <laughs> Lady Sif. Mondo Six, Michael O'Connor, Steve Palmer, Andy secretly rates War Without End to Five. I love that. Stu Parker, the Geek Boy. Um, oh, I have the, I have one that requests a sound effect. Play Project Plus. Heather and Yancey Steingrabber, Ice Cream Clone with Boba Fett Head, and Michael Halbrook. Thank you all so 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 very very much. Um, we do have uh, a couple of patron comments. Uh, I'm going to go from from for, from more distant to more recent. Um, let's see. Colonel Dad says, guys, Sheridan did come back from Zahadoom changed. He now knows he is living under a death sentence in that he only has so long to live, as Lorian told him. He's a man yep. possessed with his mission. He's driven to finish the mission before he dies, and that has changed him. It's evident to some, like Michael and Lanier, right off the bat. How this change will work out is still to be seen. He's not smiling Johnny anymore. Wow, good stuff. You're right. Nice. Um, our wonderful patron, Allison Rich. And by the way, this is another perk of being a patron, is you... Uh, in addition to us thanking you on the air, you also can leave comments that I'll read on the air and ask questions that I can read on the air. Uh, she says it's called the summoning because nearly every single core cast member, save for Bester, was on the call sheet that week. All right, let me. I, we noted that every every credited cast member is the only episode. We talked about that several times, right? That yep, it's the only episode did. that every credited cast member appears. I think of Bester as more like a guest star, so I don't consider him kind of like Morden. Right. So I don't right. consider him. I think this was the one that had them all. But I get what she's saying. Uh, yep. She says, The Vorlon fleet in hyperspace is bone-chilling. No doubt about that. I think it's the first we see a Vorlon dreadnought. The planet killer is truly frightening. Yeah, we definitely agree there. Um, I think Jakar's spiky crown is like Jesus' crown of thorns. I agree. Uh, heck, when, when Jakar is brought before Kataja in the last episode, he's got his arms wrapped around a cross piece of bar like he's being crucified. Yes. Still more Christian imagery, imagery uh, in this as Lorian's ship looks like a fish and Sheridan is now a messianic figure. Nope. I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and by I the did. way, 
Go ahead. I didn't even I didn't even think of that when we were discussing it last time because we I were both kind of down on how yeah how silly that that ship was. But now mm. now that you meant now that she mentions that that's that's pretty insightful. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I well, it, it it threw. I just I was already used to to ships on this show looking like fish because of the Minbari ships. Right. So it just didn't register me as unusual. If this was the only one that looked like a fish, it probably would have struck me as hard as it clearly did her that that's what was going right. on. Yeah. I want to point out there's one more piece of Christian imagery, as she says, that's going to pop up in the very, very, very last episode, and I hope I remember to mention it. Those of you that have seen the very last episode, 522, there's a moment, and I can't, I can't say anything. I'll say, maybe I'll say it in the spoiler space. There's a moment, though, that was an accident, and JMS is like, oh, we got to leave that in. We got wow! Now this, I, I this I want to hear about. All right, join me on the other side of the spoiler space, and don't let me forget because we'll get there in just a All second. Right. And then uh, let's see a couple more things from Allison. I don't know just how Londo could not avert his eyes when Veer was agonizing. Oh, Veer was agonizing when Jakar was being lashed. It's very clear to me that Mr. Krimmer modeled his performance of Cartagia after John Hurt's betrayal of Caligula in I Claudius. Highly recommended to watch. I've got that on DVD. I just haven't watched it, um, but I need to. I, my history teacher showed that to us in high school. Oh, I've got it down here somewhere. If it's the, if it's the one where what's his name is the uh, is the other emperor, um, oh, the actor that's in all the Kenneth Branagh movies. I can't think of his name now. Anyway, anyway, it'll come to me later. Um, and then she says, I agree with Andy that the biggest losers of this episode are the inhabitants of Arcata Seven. <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten about that. All right, and then last comment simply from, uh, let me do his name again. Play Project Plus. Um, his comment is, I'm excited for White Rocket Crusade review. Yes, we are definitely going to cover Crusade start to finish. I love, 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 love Crusade. Can't get enough of it, and I'm really looking forward. The only reason I'm not anxious to get to it is that me is that will mean we're done with this regular show. Right. And I'm enjoying the show too much to want to get to the end of it that quick. Absolutely. I am too. That's, but that's why we keep tossing other stuff in there to review. Like, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, we'll be doing this for quite a while. Don't worry. Yeah, right. we got a ways to go yet. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, we'll get to spoiler space here in just a second, and that'll be it. On our next installment, we will cover 405 The Long Night. And Yes. And that's, I, heard, I heard that's man. a good episode. Well, when the long night comes, return to the be- end of the beginning or beginning. Of, what, what is it? I, I, I'm I'm skirting spoiler space here, but <laughs> when the long night comes, return to the end of the beginning. I think something like the, that. Something like that. Yeah. Oh, when I heard that, I knew exactly what it was. Um, all right, I think we're good to go into spoiler space here. Yes. Jump gate activated. <clears throat> All right, we are now in spoiler space. If you have not watched Beyond this current episode, eject like you're in your star fury and it's on fire and the computer is saying you're about to die. Eject, 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 eject. It's a trap! <laughs> I was crossing my universes there for a second. Um, all right, I, let me go ahead and address the one before I forget. All right, so here you go. And we'll talk about this again when we get to it. 522 is actually 422, right? I mean, there's a whole story there I'm not going to go into right now. And that episode is called Sleeping in Light, and that is the end of the story. Yes. And oh, my God, have your Kleenexes ready. 
Yep. There is a moment when Sheridan puts the black Army of Light uniform on for the first time in, you know, 18, 19 years. And he looks in the mirror and the sunlight hits on the bar and on his, jer- and his shirt and or whatever behind him. And it makes a cross. Oh, wow. And, and, and JMS was-, was asked about it. And he said, we all saw that when they filmed it. And they said, do you want us to do that over? And he says, God, no, leave it in. Don't move a thing. <laughs> that's perfect. They couldn't have planned it better. Uh, so, yeah, awesome. they. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have yeah, to J- look for that now. When we JMS does cool. like his Christian imagery when, he can, when it's appropriate, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other spoiler thing I had simply was that when um, they kept saying, how will it end in fire? Let it all end in fire. That just kept kept coming up. And so... When you know, I started suspecting what the last episode of the Shadow War was going to be called. I had my suspicions, and and we didn't know when the Shadow War was going to end, even when we were watching it. We didn't know that four oh six was four oh six. We just knew it was four oh six, if you know what I mean, right? Right. Yeah. When that episode came up and it said "Into the Fire," I said, "Oh my gosh, this is it!" Yeah. If you had been paying attention, you knew that that. As soon as the episode title came up, you knew this is the one. Right. And it, 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 they've been using that, that phrasing since season one. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the referring to everything yeah. as ending in fire and the fire and all, all that stuff. So, yeah. It was just when it came up as the title on the screen, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is it, baby. Buckle <laughs> up. And what I'm really looking forward to talking with you about when we get to that episode, and my gosh, it's only three episodes away now. It, uh, two. No. Two. Two. Right. Was this 404? This is 404. Holy cow! It's only two episodes till the end of the fire. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like wow. I said, man, things are happening oh fast. My gosh. All right. Well, when we get to it, I am more curious to see what you think about an episode than I have been since War Without End. Okay. Because. As with every science fiction, probably every show ever, but especially science fiction, because most shows, their finale is just kind of a character finale. Like the MASH people get to go home. The Seinfeld people go to jail, whatever. They're usually character finishes, right? Science fiction finales are usually like the saga ends, you know? Right. And with every science fiction show that's ever ended, whether it's the new Battlestar Galactica or Farscape or whatever... There's always a big dividing of opinion. Now, we, we talked about this before. Some people like f- the fourth season better because it has the big endings and the big action. But some people like season three better because they get all the buildup without endings they don't like. Right? right. <laughs> buildup yeah. is buildup. Buildup is good. Endings are flipping a coin, whether you're going to like them or not. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So there's a lot of people that thought the end of the Shadow War was a downer, was, was disappointing. Hmm. I'm curious to see how you and I react to it, having just watched it fresh in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I remember the, the way that it ends, and, and I, I always like it when, when things don't go how... When, when people find different ways to solve problems than, what's, than what are expected. Yeah. So, yeah. We're, yeah, we, I, I, I'm definitely well, looking forward to, to the episode, for sure. I, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. If you have a strong objection, let me know. Otherwise, we'll see. I think that for 406, we're going to need to do 
a listener feedback and reaction extra notes episode in, in addition to the regular review. Absolutely. I mean, it's <laughs> arguably the arguably the biggest episode of the entire series. You know, that's, yes. That's, oh, in a way, yeah, yeah. If 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 any episode should get that, it should be that one for sure. So let's lay, let's let's put that out there for our listeners right now. Get ready yeah, to talk we'll about four hundred six because we're going to give you guys a whole. We'll give you the forum. episode. Give you the floor. Yeah, yeah, get, yeah. When we get when we get to into the fire, go ahead and be sending in your thoughts, your questions, your uh, your whatever diatribes you want. It's too bad we hadn't come up with this back when uh, Severed Dreams when we did that review. Right. We could have done a good right. one on that one. Yeah, For sure. But uh, I think we just solved it by doing like a three hour episode, so it ended right. up getting it, it ended up getting it anyway. <laughs> it all worked out anyway. Right. All right. Well, we're at about the about the hour twenty thereabouts point now, which is about what we've been coming in lately. So I'm I'm pretty comfortable with yeah. that. Do you have any final thoughts? No, sir. I don't. I I I just what I've been saying all along is, man, this season is moving fast. It is. It's, it is it's, moving it's fast. Awesome. Better yeah, look around. Do you miss it? Yeah. Yeah. As as Ferris Bueller said. All right. Um, well, gang, we will see you guys in two weeks for uh, the long night. Which is probably the what, what Andy and I will have talking about that show, <laughs> <laughs> and then two weeks after that we will do Into the Fire, part one basically right where we talk about the episode right. and do our usual, and then two weeks after that we will revisit four oh six with a in depth listener comments and questions, Van's twenty one pages of notes, Andy's <laughs> deep thoughts that nobody's ever considered before. It'll be awesome. It'll be a good time. It'll be a party. Somebody bring the salsa and chips. It'll be a good time. Right? I'll bring the beer. All right, man. Until next time, this has been the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Go to www.b5review.com. Become a patron. We will see you guys down the road. Take it easy, Andy. All right, sir. You do the same. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.